I'm Danny Mickle with Mickle Brothers Farms in Damon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we lost a lot of cows out of our cow herd here in Texas last year because of drought. So will this be the year to rebuild? We'll take a look at that question coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. State legislators are working to improve rural broadband connectivity. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report from the Texas legislature at the state capitol where farmers and ranchers visited with their elected officials to talk about access to rural broadband. That's all ahead on Texas Ag Today. Herbicide technology hybrids that give sorghum farmers over-the-top control of unwanted grasses in their fields are relatively new. Now farmers are being called upon to protect these technologies. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas cow herds got smaller last year as the drought forced liquidation due to no forage and no water in ponds and tanks. So will Texas cattle producers rebuild those herds this year? At last week's cattle industry convention in New Orleans, the market outlook given would suggest there will be price incentive to rebuild herds in 2023. But good prices aren't the only factor to consider, according to Arthur Uhl, president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. The fundamentals are there as far as the economics and the herd size. You know, the variable is the weather. If the weather will cooperate, if we can get the moisture to let us rebuild, I think, you know, it's going to be a relatively good year price-wise. But as far as rebuilding goes, that just depends on whether we get enough rain, frankly. Uhl says he had to cut the herd size on his San Angelo ranch by 15% last year. USDA released the February crop production and supply and demand reports on Wednesday. They left the corn production estimate at 13.73 billion bushels unchanged from last month, but they increased domestic corn stocks by 25 million bushels, now standing at 1.26 billion. The national average corn price was unchanged at 6.70 a bushel. For wheat, USDA increased ending stocks to 568 million bushels. The average price for wheat now stands at $9 even. That is down from $9.10 in last month's report. If you want to control sand burrs in Texas pastures and hayfields, it will take a year-long approach. 
Well, I think you get the metal ahead there, Kerry. I mean, it you didn't get them overnight, and, and you're not going to get rid of them overnight. That's Brian Kane. He's the Southern U.S. Range and Pasture Manager for InView, and he's based right here in Texas, so he knows the fight with sand burrs well. If you're going to get a handle on the problem, Kane says it needs to start right now because sand burrs can germinate at soil temperatures in the 50s. The soil temperature may go up and down, you know, in the February, March, April area, but you could get those germinations. And so we start with a program approach that allows you to utilize a product or a process that keeps a control level constantly out in your field. So if you get that germination in late February, and say you're in South Texas, and you have a product there, and it's a pre-emergent, and that's Resolon is our product, you put it down in the soil, it's taken in by moisture, and then it's activated is what we would say. It's put down in the soil, and when the germination from the seed starts, that's when it works. Kane says the goal is to keep those sand burrs from ever growing instead of trying to spray them as they become a problem in the field later in the year. State legislators are working to improve rural broadband connectivity here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more from the state capitol. My guest today is State Representative Trent Ashby from Lufkin. He recently spoke to a group of farmers and ranchers representing the Texas Farm Bureau in Austin about rural broadband and its initiative. And our representative, you said it's no longer a luxury, but a necessity to get rural Texas totally connected with the Internet. Uh, summarize what uh, you told the, the group of ag producers. Thank you, Tom. Yes, absolutely. Broadband is no longer a luxury. It is an absolute necessity, no matter one zip code across uh, the our 254 counties in Texas. Last session, we uh, moved the needle in the great state with the passage of House Bill 5 on uh, creating good broadband policy to help move Texas to the front of the country in terms of connecting rural Texans to broadband. In this session, we hope to continue that work. And I know it's a priority for the leadership here in Austin, so I'm looking forward to working with uh, stakeholders and rural Texans across the Texas to continue good progress on this front. Specifically, what is your goal this session to get more broadband out there in the rural areas? So there's uh, several billion dollars that Congress has appropriated to the states uh, that we have requested funding for for the state. And so I'm uh, optimistic that we're going to be able to invest these dollars uh, across the great state of Texas to incentivize our Internet service providers to help bridge that digital divide that we all know is still out there. There are over 3 million Texans uh, that don't have access uh, to broadband internet today. Uh, That is uh, clearly uh, a problem. It's something that uh, I know policymakers are focused on this session in Austin, and it's something that, uh, of course, I'm going to continue to work with my colleagues in a bipartisan fashion to make sure we get those Texans connected. That again is State Representative Trent Ashby from Lufkin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New herbicide technologies for sorghum are making a big impact on that crop. James Hunt tells us sorghum farmers are now being asked to help protect that new technology. In just the past two to three years, sorghum farmers have been given a resource they've never had before, herbicide technology hybrids that allow for over-the-top control of grasses. This includes products like iGrowth Sorghum from Advanta, Double Team from S&W, and Enzin from Pioneer. These herbicide technologies are beneficial to sorghum growers here in the Texas High Plains, but Brent Bean with the Sorghum Checkoff is putting out the word that farmers need to take some steps to make sure these technologies keep working. One thing we want to be really careful about is that this technology lasts for years to come. We don't want this to be, you know, four or five years and everything now is resistant and the 
are not effective anymore. And so the two grasses in particular that we're concerned about is going to be Johnson grass and Shattercane. Dr. Bean highlights those particular grasses because they are capable of cross-pollinating with sorghum. So farmers need to make sure that Johnson grass or Shattercane are not flowering at the same time as their sorghum is. Sorghum flowering occurs over about a 10-day window, and so what you want to do if you've got those grasses in the field, you want to make sure they're controlled, or even in the bar ditches around the field, anywhere close by, we want to control that. Really, all you've got to do is just go out there and mow it, do something just to keep it from flowering at the same time that sorghum is flowering, and that'll prevent that gene flow and cross-pollination, and that'll go a long way in helping us preserve these herbicides. You can read more of what Dr. Bean has to say on this subject on the Sorghum Checkoff website at sorghumcheckoff.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last week's ice storm hit central Texas, but the impact wasn't as bad as it could have been. We check in now with Dr. Shane McClellan. He's the county agent for McLennan County. And Shane, how did that ice storm affect the central Texas blacklands last week? It was mild compared to what we were thinking it was going to be. Daytime and nighttime temperatures were hovering around freezing with some wind chills that stayed in the double digits. And that was really important for our small grain crops. Livestock would be the main agricultural component that was affected the most from the cold weather. A lot of farmers and ranchers were continuing to put out supplemental feed, fed a lot of hay. And of course, hay is in short supply, so this dipped into our hay reserves even more. But, you know, I don't think it got cold enough to do a lot of damage to crops. It was borderline wheat and oats that really needed the moisture. And I think most producers were just happy to get the moisture. And then you just kind of fought through putting out feed and hay as you needed to, knowing that our pastures were getting some moisture as well as our small grades. Well, Shane, I know the wheat crop really did need that moisture, as you mentioned. But we do have spring planting coming up just around the corner. We really need a rain for our corn crop that's going to be planted uh, around the first couple of weeks of February. We usually get rolling in our fields here in Central Texas planting corn, and uh, we're, we've been really dry, so we needed some moisture. And when you look at the weekly drought monitor, Shane, it looks like Central Texas is still way behind on rainfall. I saw something a couple of weeks ago that said, depending on where you lived in Central Texas, you could be anywhere from negative six to negative 16 inches compared to 365 days worth of rainfall. So looking back a year, we're still really in a big deficit. That really hurts us on our deep soil moisture for our primary crops like corn, wheat, and then later on in the spring when we plant cotton. We really need that deep soil moisture to help those plants really survive in the in the summer. The heat of our summer pulls a lot of moisture out of the ground, and uh, once we get those south winds blowing, it just pulls all that moisture out and the crops start to suffer. Stock tanks, most of them have caught a little bit of water. I've heard anywhere reports of, of a half an inch to an inch and a half from this last little storm that came through of moisture. So that'll help stock tanks a little bit, at least get us maybe to that next rain. Thanks, Shane. That's Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco. If all goes according to plan, we should see a new state park or state natural area every two to three years for the next 12 to 15 years. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And studies are underway to develop new tools and tests for detecting COVID virus in both wild and domestic animals. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? 
We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Studies are underway to develop new tools and tests for detecting COVID virus in wild and domestic animals. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at these studies. The United States Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, or USDA APHIS, announced it is implementing a $300 million provision in the American Rescue Plan Act to monitor susceptible animals for COVID virus. APHIS is partnering with the Agricultural Research Service on five research projects to improve understanding of the virus and help USDA accomplish its goal of building an early warning system to potentially prevent or limit the next zoonotic disease outbreak or global pandemic. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack indicates the investment ensures we are taking the steps necessary to safeguard our nation's animal health and also public health. The secretary goes on to say the new tools and data generated from this research will provide insights necessary to accelerate our understanding of the COVID virus. Two of the projects call for developing easy-to-use field tests to quickly identify COVID infection in wildlife and domestic animals. Also, field and laboratory studies will determine how long the virus persists in deer and to determine if deer or elk can serve as an intermediate host in which COVID can survive and mutate. They're also studying a cell line model to determine which animal species may act as reservoirs or hosts for the virus. Through these and other efforts, the USDA is working to integrate a risk-based, comprehensive, integrated disease monitoring and surveillance system domestically. The goal is also to work with national, regional, and global One Health partners to build additional capacity for zoonotic disease surveillance and prevention. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We should start seeing a lot of new state parks and natural areas over the next decade or so here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. On our last show, we told you about the state's plans for new state parks and state natural areas from now through 2034. First, Palo Pinto Mountain State Park in Strawn is expected to have a soft opening this year. Then, the Devil's River State Natural Area is expected to follow next year. The Kronkowski State Natural Area is expected in 2026. And Powderhorn State Park and Wildlife Management Area in 2029, if all goes according to plan. Justin Flaherty, lead park planner for Texas State Parks, told the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission at their last meeting that Chinati Mountains State Natural Area is expected to open sometime around 2032. This is just west of Big Bend Ranch about 40,000 acres. Comparable size, that's a boundary that stretches about eight miles north and south, four, four miles wide. Awesome mountain range. Really feels like you're entering Big Bend National Park. The basin kind of surrounds you. Davis Hill State Park is expected in 2034. And Davis Hill State Park, ironically enough, is the property we've had the longest in our system, but it's last on the list. One of the reasons for that, an issue that we look at with all of our properties are inholdings that may prevent public access or legal restrictions that may restrict some public use that we're still working through. 
Some of these properties will be estate parks, while others will be state natural areas. Flaherty says there's a reason for that. Generally speaking, a state natural area prioritizes resource protection and conservation and has a smaller footprint than state parks. Though our general strategy, you know, modern park planning, even our state parks have small footprints. Just relative to state parks, state natural areas have a conservation priority. That was Justin Flaherty, the lead park planner for Texas State Parks. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw a mix close in the cattle market on Thursday. The grain markets, however, took a drop lower. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded both sides of the market on Thursday. When it shook out on the close, we were mostly lower for live cattle, the exception being that nearby February, which is about to go off the board, it was up two cents at 160.82. Everything else lower. April down seven, 163.62. June down 25. 159.52. Feeder cattle finishing higher. The March contract up 37, 186.82. The April, the only exception there, it was steady, closing at 190.72. The rest of the contracts higher with May feeders up 25 cents, 194.67. Cash fed cattle market still seeing only a trickle of trade so far this week. We've seen a few heads sell here in Texas. One deal on the online Fed Cattle Exchange, it was at 159. Up in Kansas, a couple thousand heads sold this week at 159 as well. Most of the cattle still on the show list. Feedlots have them priced at 161 to 162. Boxed beef prices higher Thursday. Choice up 251 at 269.71. Select up 90 cents, 254.06. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to head to Nixon and talk to Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock. Gary sells them on Monday. He did so this last Monday. Gary, how'd that Monday sale go? One double was 152 hay, 156 cows, and 24 bulls. Calf market is still strong as it's been. Uh, a lot of two dollar over two dollar calves. Uh, two and three weight steers, a dollar sixty-five to two fifty. Heifers, a dollar forty-nine to two hundred five. Four and three and four weight steers, dollar seventy-five to two seventy-five. Heifers, a dollar sixty to two thirteen. Four and five weight steers, dollar seventy to two thirty-five. Heifers, a dollar fifty-seven to two twenty. Five and six weight steers, dollar sixty-nine to two and a quarter. Heifers, a dollar forty-nine to dollar eighty-seven. Six and seven weight steers, a dollar fifty-eight to dollar ninety. Uh, the heifers dollar thirty nine to dollar seventy one seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings dollar fifty to dollar seventy four and the heifers a dollar forty three to a dollar forty five. Like I say, the old calf market is strong as it's been in a while. Uh, the slaughter cows got ninety nine cents. They put on a lot of money on them too. Uh, slaughter bulls eighty nine to dollar nineteen. 
uh, stuck a cow, didn't have very many to choose from, 550 to 1,000. And we had one pair that we split a couple of pairs, but we had one pair bring $1,000 for the first calf. Good deal. What do you anticipate for next Monday? Uh, Larry, I don't know of anything coming just right offhand right now. I'm, I'm sure we'll have another pretty good run. It just depends on this weather, what it's going to do. We got a pretty good shot of some more rain uh, a couple of days this week or all through the week, more or less. So uh, it, it'll be determined on that pretty much. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You can get here, here at Cell Barn, 830-582-1561-62. You can catch me on mobile at 30-857-4330. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures trade now where lean honks finished lower Thursday. February honks down 10 cents, 7582 the April down 75 at 83.32. Class 3 milk was higher. February milk up 14, 17.65. March milk up 42 cents at 18.04 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed mostly lower on Thursday. The exception was the nearby March contract. It may have got a bit of support from the weekly export sales report that came out Thursday morning. It showed a marketing year high sales number. However, the overall environment of rising interest rates and lack of enthusiasm in many of the outside markets continues to keep a lid on cotton prices. March cotton up 13 points, 85.50. The May down 6, 85.94. With new crop December down 3, 85.27. Corn market took a drop on Thursday. Overall weak demand continues to keep a lid on corn prices. March corn down 7 and 3 quarters, 670 and 3 quarters. May down seven and a quarter, six sixty nine, with September down six, six oh four and a quarter. Wheat market took a drop, especially the hard wheat market on Thursday. Russia and the Black Sea area continuing to undercut our prices on the world market, and that of course affects our demand, weighing on prices on Thursday, March down seventeen cents, eight seventy nine. New crop July, Kansas City wheat down fourteen and a quarter, eight fifty five and three quarters. Soft wheat lower also. July Chicago wheat down six and a half, seven seventy-three and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas up six cents, two forty-five. March West Texas crude down seventy-two cents, seventy-seven seventy-five a barrel. The financial markets were lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down two hundred twenty-nine points at thirty-three thousand seven nineteen. The Nasdaq down one hundred eighteen, eleven thousand seven ninety-two. The S&P down 33 at 4,084. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.